of us. So we pour back our praise on him. And this morning, we're alive and we're breathing. So we need to take this opportunity to pour out our praise. Just give it back to him this morning. He's Elohim, the God most high this morning. He's sovereign and he's in control. And he knew that we were going to be here this morning. And he said, I love you. And now it's our opportunity to just take this breath that's inside of us. With everything that's inside of us. Just pour it back on him this morning. I'm trying to work through my nerves. I am beyond. I dropped my phone. I'm going to pick it up because it's my clock. I am beyond. Beyond humbled. To stand in this pulpit one more time. For those of you who don't know me, I am Todd. I served on staff here at this church for almost seven years. My wife and I felt a shifting in, a, in our ministry and we stepped down as student pastors here. And You can sit down. You can turn these down. And felt a shifting in our ministry and, and just felt like it was time to leave student ministry and begin to pursue other things that God had for us and we're still in that process. We're still waiting for God to, to give us the, the right opportunity and open the right door for us to go and do, do ministry again full time. And in the meantime, we've, we've, we've come back. It's been about two and a half years and now we're back here to, to work with Pastor Travis and, and just be a part of this congregation until God opens the right door. And again, I'm, I'm just beyond humbled and probably more nervous than any other time I've ever preached in my life. Because when I left here, I never thought I'd ever step foot back in this pulpit and preach to people that loved us and poured into us and allowed us to pour into them. And know this. Know this. My wife and I never stopped loving you and we never stopped praying for you. This is a special place for us. It was our first opportunity to do full-time ministry. And for that, we'll forever be grateful. And I would be remiss if I didn't say how, how big of an influence. You probably don't know this. I've known Pastor Travis and his wife, Kelly, for almost 16 years. Him and, him and Chad Dumford, who many of you are familiar with Chad, were mine and Sherry's biggest cheerleaders when we started in ministry. Every time I saw one of them two at a state event, they were, it's time to go full-time, it's time to go, you need to get into full-time ministry, you need to do this, and he's always been a friend of mine and a friend to me and, and someone that I could call when I was frustrated and he never judged me, he just poured his love into us and, and so, so Kelly, we appreciate your friendship and, and we, you have no idea the influence that you and your husband had in our lives and for that we are very grateful. And again, I'm just extremely humble to be standing here preaching. It's awesome to be on the platform again with Pastor Tony and, and to share in ministry with Pastor Jeremy and Tasha. Had the opportunity to, to go to St. Charles when they were in St. Charles, minister in St. Charles. I'm just going to preach because if I don't, my nerves are going to get the best of me. So we're going to shift gears. We're done with the intro. 
Listen, if, if, if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Because I'm going to preach from Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 this morning. I'm not going to read the whole, don't, don't panic on me. I'm not going to read it all to you this morning. But I'm going to preach through Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 this morning. My core verse is Acts chapter 4 and 20 that says this. It says, we cannot stop speaking about the things we have seen and we have heard. We can't stop talking. This is Peter and John, and they said, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter and John had just been arrested, and they were standing on trial, and they were getting asked to stop talking about Jesus and, and stop spreading the gospel, stop spreading the good news. And Peter and John responded by saying this, we cannot stop talking about the things that we have seen and we have heard. And I want to talk to you about that. I want to, I want to, I want to talk on that subject this morning. We can't stop. To, we cannot, or I cannot, and I will not stop talking about Jesus. I cannot, and I will not stop talking about Jesus. I don't care what the world says. I don't care if it's politically correct anymore to mention the name of Jesus. I don't care if it's politically correct anymore to stand up and testify about the goodness of Jesus. I cannot and I will not stop talking about Jesus and what he's done for me. And I believe that we have to become determined in our mind. And have the boldness of the Holy Spirit in our lives to get to the point that no matter what comes our way, that we cannot and we will not stop talking about Jesus. And there's a backstory that gets us to this point, and I'm going to, I'm going to breeze through this and, 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 and share with you this morning. God has been dealing with me, and, and listen, two years ago when I left here, I was one person. And God has done an interesting change in my life and a shift in my life. And I look at things differently and I, I, I process things differently. And, and, and I'm different than what I was when I left here. And hopefully you'll see that this morning. And hopefully that's a good thing this morning. But, but I have begun to refocus my ministry and refocus my life on a lost world. On a lost world. Listen, when you serve on staff, and there, there's folks in here who served on staff. I see Joe back there and, and Pastor Jeremy over here. Listen, when you serve on staff in a church, sometimes you forget that there's a world out there that's lost and broken because you, you're with Christians all the time. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. I lost focus sometimes on the fact that there was a lost world out there of people who needed Jesus. And I was introduced to Jesus and found Jesus so that I could in turn go and give Jesus to someone else. That's the point of this. Jesus told his disciples, he said, go into the world and make disciples of everyone that you come into account with. He said, go and tell about all the things that you've seen and you've heard me talk about and the things that you've seen me do. Go into the world. Don't stay hidden and don't stay huddled up. Go into a world and speak about me. Go share me with the world. And now that I've returned to work in the secular world, I have rediscovered and fallen in love with people who don't know Jesus. And I've rediscovered my passion and my love for Jesus in a way that's unique. And I've determined in my life that no matter what, it's not popular. Listen, the company I work for, it's not popular to talk about Jesus. They will talk about everything else. But they don't like to talk about Jesus. 
But I've determined in my mind that I will not stop talking about him. And it wasn't always that way with me. I, and listen, y'all are like, what? Aren't you a preacher? Yes, I am. But listen, I, it's hard sometimes to talk about Jesus with people. Because we're afraid of what we're going to say, and now we're afraid of offending someone or losing a relationship or losing a friendship, and none of those things matter. It's just about Jesus and not stop, and not stop talking about him. So let's back up. I want to, we're, we're Peter, this is Peter here who said this. He said, we can't stop talking about the things that we've seen and heard. Now, about 70 days prior to this, give or take a little bit, somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to 90 days prior to, to Peter making this statement, you will find Peter denying Christ. So in a 70-day period, there's a dramatic transformation that takes place in Peter's life. So I began to look at it and began to focus on it and said, what is this dramatic? Listen, so let's go back. Let's go back to where we first find Peter. We find Peter as a fisher of men, a fisherman, rough around the edges, spent his life on a boat, wasn't very popular to be around fishermen, were not very popular to be around. But I just imagine, you know, he had that leathery skin. He'd been out in the sun all day long. And he was just, he, you know, he fished all night long. So he's probably grumpy in the morning. And, and so he's not, he doesn't seem very ideal to me to be someone who's going to eventually stand up and preach the first sermon where 3,000 people are going to come to know Jesus. But Jesus sees him differently. Jesus comes along and he says, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of man. Now Peter more than likely had some interaction with Jesus before this, probably had heard who Jesus was and was convinced that Jesus was going to change Israel. But I'm convinced that he was convinced that he was going to change it in a different way. He knew that the Messiah was coming, but a lot of the disciples followed Jesus for this simple reason. They thought he was going to chase the Roman Empire out of Israel and he was going to establish an earthly kingdom and they were going to get to roll with Jesus here on earth. But then something happens. For three and a half years, Peter gets a front row seat and discovers who Jesus is. I mean, come on, this, this Peter is the one that Jesus says, he says, they're, they're in a circle and they're talking, and Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says, whom does the world say that I am? And he says, some calls you this prophet, that prophet, this prophet, that prophet. And then Jesus says, okay, whom do you say that I am? Peter, being the loudmouth, full of boldness when he's around Jesus, says this. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus responds and says, wow. You didn't learn that on your own. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. And upon this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Fast forward a little bit in Jesus' life. We find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to the cross. The soldiers come to arrest them. Peter jumps up, slices the ear off of the soldier, and basically tells Jesus, I'll go with you even to the point of death. They're not going to take you to the cross without taking me to the cross with you. Jesus goes and he goes to trial and we find Peter again mentioned in scripture and three times that night he denies Christ. He says, I don't know him. I was never around him. I didn't have anything to do with him. Even to the point, if you study your Bible and look at the last time he denies Christ, it's a young teenage girl that accuses Peter of being around Jesus and basically, for lack of better terms, Peter cusses this young girl out and says... I don't know him and didn't have anything to do with him. Get away from me. 
So I'm confused. When I hear this, and then I think about what Peter says when he's standing on trial, and he says, I can't stop talking about the things that I've seen and I've heard. What changed in his life? I mean, he was gripped by fear to the point that he was afraid to lose his life and that he was going to be crucified with Christ, that he denied the very one that he had spent three and a half years with and stood up and said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. What changed? What changed was the fear that gripped him. And as we begin to talk about Jesus and we begin to share Jesus, we're gripped by fear. And we're like, what are people going to say about us? What's our loved ones going to say about us if we constantly talk about Jesus? You know, last Sunday in Sunday school, Diggy made an incredible statement. And he didn't know that I, I, didn't, I didn't know then that I was preaching now. I didn't know until Tuesday I was preaching this morning. But you made a powerful statement that fits in with this. The only thing that we have to drive back the darkness of this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that w- that's going to push back the darkness of this world, Gene, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the church standing on a soapbox trying to make a point about abortion and same-sex marriage and all those things that we try to stand on a soapbox and build a point around. We're very good at building, making a point, and I can argue those points. But I found that a world needs Jesus And it's Jesus that penetrates their hearts. And it's Jesus that takes the darkness out of their life and replaces it with his light. We've got to get to the point where we cannot and we will not stop talking about Jesus. So we find Peter and he dies Christ three times. The next time that we find Peter in the scripture is after the resurrection. He's on the beach and Jesus finds him and he says, ask him three times. He says, do you love me? All three times, Peter responds, and he says, yes, I love you. Jesus tells him to go and to feed his sheep twice, and then he says, go and feed my lambs. Basically, he was reminding Peter that he had a mission to take the gospel to the people. Go share Jesus with the world. Then we jump to Acts chapter 1. I love Acts. I love the book of Acts. I spent a year reading nothing but the book of Acts over and over and over and over again. It's my favorite book in the Bible. Next, we find Acts chapter 1. Here we have the disciples, and they're gathered together. This is the last time the disciples are going to be on earth with Jesus. He's about to ascend into heaven, Pastor Jeremy, and he's having a conversation with them. And he says this. He says, I'm getting ready to leave. This is Acts chapter 1 down around verse 3. And I'm going to paraphrase some of this so you can go read Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 in your own time. I was going to read it this morning, but I'm just going to paraphrase it this morning. About Acts down around Acts chapter 1, verse about 4, Jesus says, I'm leaving from here. And listen, you've, you know, you've been baptized with water, but you're about to be baptized with fire and power. You would think that the disciples would have this all figured out by now. Okay, listen, they, they spent three and a half years with him, with Jesus, doing all kinds of miracles, to the point that the Bible says this, that there's not enough books in the world to record all the good things that Jesus did while he was alive on earth. Okay. He was crucified, he was now risen from the dead, and they had just spent about 40 days with him after the resurrection. You would think that they would have it figured out that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He just tells him, he's, look, you've been baptized with water, now there's one coming that's going to baptize you with fire, and you're going to have power. Do you know what the next thing the disciples say to him is this? And I, it doesn't say who it was, but I have a feeling it was Peter, because he was the spokesperson for the group most of the times. He says this, 
okay, at this time now, Jesus, are you going to establish your earthly kingdom? They've missed the whole point. And listen, we miss the whole point sometimes. We get so focused on what we want Jesus to do that we fail to realize his plan for us is so much greater. And that's what the disciples had done in this moment. They were so focused on what they wanted. All they wanted was the Romans to be gone and have a Jewish king again. That's all they wanted. They missed the greatness of who Jesus was and what Jesus. And then he responds and he says, get this straight. He says, no, there's, it's no one's, no one knows when I'm coming. Not even me. But what you need to do is remember that you're about to be endued with power from on high so that you can be what? Be my witnesses. You're getting this power called the Holy Spirit to come and empower you for one reason and one reason only. It's so that you can go and be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, in your own hometown, in your own place, then Judea, your surrounding area, your community, then Samaria, which is a foreign land to them. It's someone that they couldn't stand and they did not like. And when you're full of the power of the Holy Spirit and you can't stop and you won't stop talking about Jesus, you will go to the people you despise the most and you will share the good news of Jesus with them and allow it to penetrate them and change their lives. And then you'll go to the uttermost parts of the world. Very next thing that happens is Jesus ascends. Jesus is floating up in the air on a cloud. The Bible says that the disciples stood there staring in the sky, watching Jesus ascend into heaven. To the point that they're so captivated by it, an angel appears and they don't even realize it. angel says this to him. He says, why are you standing here watching him go up? Because in the same manner, he's going to return to earth that day again. Scatter, go. go do it. The angel is saying, go do what you're supposed to be doing. Go wait in the upper room and then go spread the gospel. Because when you study this out, when the angel said, why are you standing here? The word standing in the Greek is hesteme. Translated means this, to build a foundation. The angel said, why are you standing here wanting to build a foundation in this place? What do you do when you build a foundation? It tells me you're not planning on moving from where you are. That quickly they forgot that they were to go into the world, take the gospel. They wanted to just stay right where they were, looking up at the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back and set up his kingdom. And I'm going to say something, and it's probably going to offend some people in here, and I don't mean to intentionally offend you. We have got to stop focusing on the end of times. And when is Jesus coming back and get busy with what he told us to do? And that is to, where we get to the point that we cannot and we will not stop talking about Jesus and taking a good news to lost and dying world. At last report, Sister B, there are 6,000 unreached people groups in the world today that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he can't come back till they hear. We've got to get busy about our father's business and start speaking about Jesus. (laughs) 
So we move and we go to the upper room and we, we find that they're all together in the upper room and this is the core text that the church of God and the Pentecostals, we build our foundation of faith around that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind and then there was tongues of fire that came and sat on their heads and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utters. It was so loud and so chaotic that it drew a crowd outside of the building. And we find... I don't know what drew Peter out of the building, but the crowd must have been making enough noise that it got Peter's attention. Come outside, and Peter hears the people standing around saying this. I don't know what's going on, but these people got to be drunk. Have you ever thought about Peter's response in this? Peter goes, we're not drunk. It's only 9.30 in the morning. Some of you will catch that when you get home. Peter says, it's only 9, they're not drunk, it's only 9.30 in the morning. Niggas only quotes Joel and he says, this is what was prophesied that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But there, there's something funny in there. It says, we hear all of these people talking in their own languages and they're talking about Jesus. Go study it out. And when you really, what it says, that word tongues right there means a language that is a different dialect than your own. They were hearing. There was all kinds of people from all over, the, all over the known little area right there who spoke different dialects. They were hearing about Jesus in their own language. And let me say this. Listen, don't, don't miss what I'm saying because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues and tongues and interpretation. And I believe in, in, but there is a time that, listen, the Holy Spirit will move on you and you can literally speak in a different language that's known here. I have a friend of mine that I knew in Master's Commission or now it's called The Mission, and I just drew a blank on his name. It's not J.R. No, it was J.R. Y'all know J.R. Gurley? I was just curious. J.R., you know J.R. I've heard J.R. tell this story. He, went to, he, he was going to Mexico to preach on a missions trip. First night he preaches, he's got a translator beside of him. I would not do very good preaching with a translator. It would break, I have ADD tendencies and it would break my flow. I'd be captivated looking at him talking in Spanish. It's awesome, keep it up, just finish it up. And JR struggled with this. JR tells the story, he struggled with speaking, you know, preaching with a translator. In the way that I understand it, the way that I've heard the story told is that he went back to his room that night because he was preaching the next night and he began to pray. He said, God, you're going to have to do something. I can't do this. I don't feel like I'm effectively communicating the gospel of Jesus and what you've laid on my heart to do here. So he learned, the way I understand it, he learned a couple Spanish words like how to say hello and how are you and those types of things. Goes to the pulpit the next night and begins to speak in fluent Spanish his message word for word. Had never took a lesson of Spanish in his life. To this day, he can still speak Spanish. God will do what he has to do to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here we find Peter, and he stands up, and he preaches. And you can go read this. He preaches an incredible, the first recorded sermon in the Bible, Dickie. It's incredible. Do you know what the sermon's about? Jesus. That's it. He says, listen, this Jesus, who, listen, this is what he says. He says, this Jesus, who you crucified, is now risen from the dead, and he's here to forgive us. The Bible says that the people who heard it were so convicted, it pierced their heart. They looked at Peter and said, what do we have to do? Peter says, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. To the point that 3,000 people 
come to know or added to the church that day, find a relationship with Jesus because Peter now has a boldness where he can't stop talking about Jesus and stands up in front of a crowd who were there when Jesus was crucified. And I, just in my own personal opinion, there was probably people there who knew that Peter had denied Christ and now he was standing up boldly proclaiming to the people there that you crucified him, but now he's alive and he's risen again and he's here to forgive you. And 3,000 people... Come to know Christ. It's incredible. Listen, and if we would just get back to the point where the church talked about Jesus continually, and I'm not talking about just in a pulpit on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday, but the church, the body of Christ would become so focused on talking about Jesus everywhere we go that I believe that we would see three, four, five thousand people added to the church immediately. Again, if we could just get to the point where we can't stop talking about Jesus, Gene. The next thing that happens this, this, is, this Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4 are incredible. We're in Acts chapter 3 right now. The Bible says this, that Peter and John were heading to the temple at the third hour to pray. And there was a man who was lame from birth, being carried and laid outside the gate called Beautiful, where he could beg for alms. Think about this. This man had been, he was born lame. He couldn't walk. He was thrown in front of the temple gate every day to beg for money. And I began thinking about this, and I, I, I realized something, that that man laying outside the temple was me. You see, because I was born lame and in sin, and I could not walk with God. And my only hope in that time was to lay outside of the world and beg it to fill a void in my life that can only be filled with Jesus. And I wonder how many lame people are still laying outside the walls of this temple, crying out to the world to fill their temporary need. And the church is refusing to talk about Jesus. It says Peter and John were walking and the man calls out to them and gets their attention. You know, I'm going to give you the Todd version of it. Hey, you guys! Do you got some spare change? Come on, I only need a couple more quarters and I can get my Lance crackers out of the vending machine. I get my 50-cent Pepsi out of the vending machine. Y'all are like, 50-cent Pepsis? Yes, they are. The vending machines at Pepsi are 50 cents. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> Peter and John's response. Every, if you, listen, go back and read Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Because every time Peter and John spoke, somewhere, and usually in the beginning, they would say, in the name of Jesus, or through Christ Jesus. They always mentioned the name of Jesus. So they get his attention, and Peter and John look at him. And again, in my opinion, it, I think it's Peter. It doesn't clarify. It says they said, but I would say it was Peter. Because if you study it out, the way I understand it, John was a whole lot younger than Peter was. And so Peter was probably more mentoring John and helping him get, you know, even though he was with Christ, Peter was the older, the wiser one, the gruff one who was willing to speak all the time. Gene, they turn to him and they say this, silver and gold, 
have I none. I don't have anything that will fill your temporary void. But what we do have, we're going to give you. And the next thing they say is, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. They reach out their hand, they pick up the man, and he, becomes, he begins to leap and shout with joy because his legs immediately regain their strength. And when I was introduced to Jesus again at 16 years old in the Beckley Church of God, and I gave my heart back to him, my spirit man got his legs underneath him, and he began to leap and shout because at that point, he could walk with God again. I'm almost finished. I'm getting close to the end. Am I doing okay time-wise? I don't know, and I really don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't get to preach very often anymore, so I take advantage of it. He goes leaping into the temple. People are, are amazed, and they're shocked. They knew it was the man laying outside of the temple, and they're like, what's going on? And again, Peter preaches the second recorded sermon in the Bible. And again, do you know what Peter preaches about? I'll give you one guess. Jesus. He tells him again, this Jesus who you crucified, who you hung on the cross, is now alive and again. He's sitting at the, sitting on the, at the Father. He's, he's there and he loves us. And he's been raised. And, and Peter says, all these people that are with me are the witnesses and we have seen it. We are testifying of it that Christ is alive. 6,000 people, not counting women and children are added to the church right there. The church goes for a matter of days. Get this, days. Probably less than five days. They go from 120 to 9,120, not counting women and children, in a five-day period. All because someone got bold enough to talk about Jesus. Jesus changes the world. So, listen, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who were in charge are irate, are furious. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that they laid hands on Peter and John. And not the laying down hands that we do around here. They grabbed them and drug them in and they threw them in jail and they put them in jail overnight. And they, the people who were in charge, the Bible, I, I'm giving you the Todd version, you can go read it. They're stressed out. They don't know what to do. They're confused. They've never encountered anything like this. They drag them back out of jail. And they bring them in and, they, and, they, and they, bring them, they bring them back in front of the judges and they're like, and it says they stand them there and it says they, they, they have a conference and they convene. Just like good church people, we have meetings about everything. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and it says they convene and they're like, we don't know what to do with them because, listen, and they say something very funny in here. They're like, because it's obvious that they've done some kind of miracle and everybody knows. No kidding they did a miracle. The guy had been lame since death. Jesus raised him up. And so they, they go to him and they say, look, here's the deal. They, they decide that they can't put him to death because if they put him to death, it'll cause more damage than what they think is going to happen. So they go, look, it ends today. No more talking about this Jesus. Peter, Peter and John go, uh, it's a whole lot better to obey God than it is man. 
We'll let you figure that out. Then Peter says this in Acts 4 and 20. He says, because we cannot stop speaking about the things that we have seen and we have heard. I don't care what you got to say because we're going to follow God and we're going to do what God has asked us to do, which is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and go into the known world and the unknown world and take Jesus to a world that needs him. And we don't care what you got to say because we're going to do what God says and we're not worried about you. And matter of fact, we cannot stop talking about the things that we have seen and we have heard. They didn't know what to do. They turned them loose. Go read the rest of the book of Acts. In Acts, it says this. It says, those that had turned the world upside down. They left out of there and completely turned the world upside down with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're so worried about America and of the downfall of America that we've stopped talking about Jesus. And I'm just, I'm just foolish enough to believe I'm just foolish enough to believe that if we get back to talking about Jesus, we could turn America upside down again. Listen, listen, I know, I know, I know, I, I, I know, I, I know that we're headed to the end of times. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not the, the, the smartest cat in the block, and I, I'm not a big student of prophecy. But I've read it enough and understand it enough to know that there's things that are beyond our control. But I also know the Bible says this, that God does not want one to perish. Hell was never created for us. And we have work to do while we're here. And that's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what, what you say, what, what, what is it? What, what it was? Listen, what transformed to him? What took Peter from the man who was denying Christ? to now where he's standing up and preaching in front of thousands. And thousands are coming to know him. And now, listen, he's standing in front of the judges who could condemn him to death. And Peter, with a boldness from the Holy Spirit, says, we cannot stop talking about the things we have seen and were heard. Put me to death right now. It's the only way that it'll silence me. Because I am full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and I cannot and I will not stop talking about Jesus. Three quick things. I said all that to say three quick things. There's three things that when we're full of the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable us to continually talk about Jesus. One, and we learned all this. I, I, I shared this. Number one. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and you have the boldness where you cannot and you won't stop talking about Jesus, you will choose conviction over convenience every time. Every time. You will choose, listen, you will, when you can't stop talking about Jesus and you're full of that boldness of the Holy Spirit, you will choose conviction over convenience. It would have been very easy at any moment for Peter and John to become quiet and say, you know what? You're right. We don't want to die. We don't want to lose our life for this. We will go quietly and we'll do exactly what you asked us to do. No, they stood on their convictions of knowing that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. And now they had the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised to them. And they were going to fulfill the great, great commission with a conviction that was inside of them that, where they stood and said, we cannot and we will not stop talking about Jesus.
So when you're full of the Holy Spirit and you determine in your mind that you're going to talk about Jesus continually, you will choose conviction over convenience every time. Then you will choose faith over fear. Every time you will choose faith over fear. I'm going to tell you, Pastor Travis let me use his office this morning to, to pray and just stay, not stay hidden, but to focus and get focused on him. How do, how do I word this with, with being polite? I was so nervous this morning. I am glad I did not eat breakfast. Y'all following with me? I, I've never been, listen, I remember when I first got here. I, had, I wasn't here, and when I joined staff, I wasn't here a week. I wasn't here a week. There was a rap on my door. Listen, I came from a church when I came here that ran like 150 people. And when, when I first got here, this church was like 600 people. It was, it was a big jump for us. And I had preached in front of small crowds and stuff, but I'll never forget when I first got here. There was a rap on my office door, like three days in the office. Oh, I was like, come in. And Pastor Collins looked at me and said, I know you ain't been here very long and you're not settled in. I forgot to tell you, you're preaching both services Sunday. I won't be here. And left. I'll be honest with you. I was more afraid to preach this morning than I was then. Fear will grip us sometimes. And there's times that I'm on my job that I know that I, it's an opportunity that the Holy Spirit has given me to share Jesus and to talk about Jesus. And I can feel that fear grip me going, you, you lead these people every day. They're going to think you're nuts if you talk about Jesus and that Jesus is the answer to their problem. And then that boldness begins to, to well up inside of me. That same boldness that I felt when I got in the pulpit and I got past and I just said, you know what, I'm going to preach. And that anointing kicks in and that fear subsides and my faith begins to build. We will choose faith in God that he will give us the right words to say and give us the opportunities to share Jesus. We don't have to live in fear of sharing Jesus because God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And if we listen and stay in tune with him, he'll give us the words to say. And we will choose faith over fear and share Jesus all the time. And the third thing that we will always do is we will choose compassion over criticism. Every time. When we get to the point that we can't stop talking about Jesus, we will choose compassion over criticism every time. I'm sure that there was people standing outside of the temple who watched that take place, Gene. And we're going, what? Silver and gold, you don't have any. We're going to give them what? Give them what? Get, y'all get away from him. Leave that poor boy alone. He just wants some coins. Get him some dinner. Peter and John had seen Jesus moved with compassion everywhere he went. That now that they were full of the Holy Spirit, the power to go and be witnesses, they were moved with compassion too. And, and, and listen, Jesus was criticized. I mean, he got in trouble for healing a guy on a Sunday. Go read it. He got in trouble. The people got mad at him for healing. Open, blinded eye, healed a dude so he could see on a Sunday. And the people got mad and was, he was criticized for it. But yet Jesus was moved with compassion. 
Now we find Peter and John moved with compassion on a man who'd been lame since birth. And Gene, there's a whole lot of lame people laying outside of these walls. And my question and my concern becomes this. When was the last time we were moved with compassion with them? Or towards them? To the point that we cannot and we will not stop talking about Jesus. See, I've determined that when I get the opportunity, not when I get, when the opportunity comes to pastor a church again, or to pastor, not pastor a church again, but I get to pastor my first church, that I am going to preach Jesus every chance. Every opportunity I get, even if my people get tired of hearing about Jesus, I'm always going to preach Jesus because the gospel is the only thing that we have to push back the darkness of this world. And we need people who are full of the power of the Holy Spirit to get this boldness inside of them to where they'll get to the point where they cannot and they will not stop talking about Jesus. There are people in this room who you have so much influence on those around you, but we're not using that influence to share Jesus to talk about Jesus. Listen, I like talking about other things. I'll talk football with you. I'll talk baseball with you. I'll talk golf with you. Get in a conversation with my wife. She'll talk your ears off about Disney and Mickey Mouse. We have things in our lives that we can't stop and we won't stop talking about that we're passionate about. But I've determined I want to become passionate again about Jesus. Where I can't stop, Sean. And I won't stop talking about Jesus and what he's done for me and how he rescued me and how he changed me and how his grace and his mercy are made new for me every morning when I goof up and I foul up and I, I'm just a mess and a wreck, Tony, and I don't know what to do. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. I believe this morning with everything that's inside of me. Everything that's inside of me. That as I was in the office praying, I said, God, how do you want me to close out this morning? How do, how do you want me to do this altar service? He gave me two very specific things to say. Number one, is this. I've tried to determine in my mind again that I'll never ever close a service without giving people an opportunity to, to meet this Jesus that I'm talking about. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. This Jesus who loved you so much that he died. He died on the cross 
so that you can have life again. So that you don't have to be the lame man laying outside of the temple, begging the world to fulfill a temporary need. He died so that that need, that void could be filled with him. So in just a moment when I open this altar, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never been introduced to Jesus, I'll give you an opportunity to meet him this morning. Let me say it to you this way. Come, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make myself available. I'm, I'm going to stand on this side of the altar. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want you to come right to me and I'm going to introduce you to my friend. My friend, Kenny, he's my friend.